In this episode, we're talking all about periods and the powers we can tap into within the four phases of our cycle with period queen, Lucy Peach. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 22 of the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Can you believe that it is June? We're halfway through the year and in the Southern Hemisphere that means it's winter, though it is a balmy 20-something degrees here. I hope your first half of the year has gone well. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I mainly got my puberty talks stuck in the car where I couldn't escape. Nice tactic, mum. The talks were fairly short, they were pretty practical and a bit uncomfortable, but that was pretty normal in those times, I guess. And, you know, my talk was leaps and bounds better than my own nana's, who didn't know what a period was when she got it and thought she was dying. She also was never told that she could get pregnant once she had a period or what sex was and found herself accidentally pregnant at 16 pushed into marriage but unable to have a white wedding and ended up having a miscarriage on her honeymoon. Now, my grandparents were married for nearly 60 years, so I suppose you could call it a happy ending, but I know if my nana had the knowledge and the choices that we have today that their lives would have been very likely would have turned out very different. So this is what today's episode is all about and who it's for. It's for women and teenagers like my nana, who were forced into situations that they probably wouldn't have chosen had they had have had the education, the empowerment or the choice. So this one's for you, nana. Before we start, don't forget that teaching kids about consent starts at home and starts with respectful communication. So don't forget to jump online to download our free words of empathy and validation printable so that you have some handy phrases stuck on the fridge during that bloody witching hour. Today, we are so very lucky to hear from Lucy Peach. Uh, I'm a definite and pretty new fangirl of Lucy's, having just read her book, Period Queen. Lucy is a period preacher, folk singer and theatre performer, as well as a TEDx speaker, who has worked as a human biology teacher and sexual health educator. She has a Bachelor of Science in Human Biology and Biomedicine and much, much more that I I won't trouble you with. And she currently performs her shows, My Greatest Period Ever and How to Period Like a Unicorn, all around Australia and the UK, obviously COVID pending. Welcome to the show, Lucy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be talking with you. And um, I am in Perth, which is also the land of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. So that's where I'm calling from and acknowledge my respect for the elders past and present and um, feels really important to do that when you're talking about something as special as period power. Yeah, absolutely. We're on uh, Cabby Cabby or Gabby Gabby country here and we're saying we just have such respect for 
the work and the care that's been done on all the land that we work and, and play. We play a lot on the land that's been taken care of for so many years. So, And particularly in this week as well, the end of Reconciliation Week, but long way to go still. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So let's start by, um, first of all, our followers, our audience were really keen to get you on. We absolutely, I must apologise for that, absolutely hijacked you on, on Instagram. I was reading Lucy's book, Period Queen, which is so good. I was just saying to Lucy before that you think you know quite a lot about your cycle because you live it, but there was so much just great information and just was really nice to have such a positive slant put on your period and some of the more negative that we probably sometimes think of more negative aspects of a period but yeah I, I threw up on Instagram just hey I'm reading this what do you think about me getting or us getting Lucy on and it was just a yes 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 we've, we've never had such a reaction so thank you for helping us help get some information out there. Pleasure. <laughs> so can you tell us about how you, um, I guess, that your journey to getting to the stage where you became, quote, unquote, the period queen and um, dancing and, well, singing about periods and educating people about how wonderful our cycle is? Do you know, I was just reflecting on this with my 15-year-old son because I started understanding more about the menstrual cycle um, and my own menstrual cycle when I was about, 28, 29, sort of 11, 12 years ago when I was working as a sexual health educator. And back then it was not very cool to talk about your period all the time and <laughs> it was um, it was pretty uncool. <laughs> but the thing that really kind of tipped it into something that I do every day is was the weekend that I turned 36 and I was making a music video with my partner and um, I was getting ready for a little scene and we were out in this shack on a fishing sort of community and um, there was a guy helping us. He used to be a clown in the Cirque du Soleil. And I said something like, oh, I'm going to wear hot pink lipstick because I'm in my post-ovulatory phase. And he was like, what are you talking about? You should... (laughs) you should make a show about this. He was he was in sort of theatre and having worked as a sexual health educator, I just thought, well, I'll just make it like a sex ed session but I'll put some songs in there and, so um, yeah, and I was just thinking, I don't know, you know how there's that thing in the in the Chinese astrology that you um, every 12 years you have quite a big year, mm, you know, and something yeah. quite just happens. I was thinking, yeah, and it was the weekend that I turned 36 and it was just like, you know, all of these things just kind of exploded and I'm still Mm. riding that crimson wave to (laughs) put in the first of many terrible puns. (laughs) Yeah. So good. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your shows? Yeah, I mean, basically uh, I just wanted people to have a really clear way of understanding the menstrual cycle in terms of the four hormonal phases. And so I thought what I would do is just use the science, give people a little bit of information around that. I used to be a human biology teacher. And then I would tell stories around each phase and I was practising the show in front of my son mostly. He was about (laughs) 11 at the time. 
And he, I remember him saying, you know, it's the stories are better, you know, use more of the stories. Mm. And, you know, when you're a teacher and you sort of lean into that, you must do this and you must do that and this, you know, people don't really care. They just want to hear stories <laughs> about so true. things that they can connect to and relate to. And um, and then, yeah, the, probably three days before I did the show, I was rehearsing it to my partner who is a creative director and, yeah, he said to me, you could you could use a couple of diagrams, and um, I said, "Well, go on then, just sort it <laughs> out." And yeah, so he ended up animating the whole show, uh, and I kind of yeah sing and tell stories and hand out capes and chocolate and we used to hand out wine, but then I discovered that was illegal. <laughs> um, yeah, and then he he sort of draws, and I think. One of the unexpected outcomes of us working together was that people were so moved by having a man Mm -hmm. um, talk about this stuff as well and be a part of that. And he doesn't normally get a microphone. He just kind of sits in the corner with a bow tie and draws. But, um, (laughs) yeah, it's just it's pretty great having him there. So yeah, that's that's the show, and then and then we did a, a youth version. The adult version was had a, uh, my greatest period ever, and the youth version was had a period like a unicorn. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think when I first wrote it, I just thought it was about me um, naively, and <laughs> it was that was in 2016 that I wrote it, and yeah, I was just really blown away by how that bubble kind of burst, and it just seemed to be a time when everybody was really craving to have more open, frank, mm-hmm. honest conversations about just our bodies, you know, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Can I, that's going to be my quote, I think, for the podcast, our bodies, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I wish that it was. I, I think um mentioned before that, you know, I'm an XPE teacher and, it seems to be fine in that, you know, yeah, you've got uncomfortable teenagers and there's a few cringeworthy moments in there for, the, for them. Mm. But outside it seems once you leave that bubble again, there, there's few places where teens can go to mentors who truly feel comfortable in their own skin and really open with sharing the, the you know, sometimes warts and all stories of, of what mm. our, not just our cycles but, you know, being a teenager can entail. So, again, thank you for being a lighthouse for so many of those teens and having somewhere for them to go. It's just so important. Uh, and, I mean, you know, you said the teenagers that get the cringe moments, I mean, those are the ones that are lucky, right, because yeah. so much of sexual health education and things like that is just it's pretty patchy and it really depends on passionate people like you who kind of mm-hmm. see the value in, in having those conversations. And, you know, I mean, when I worked in it was called family planning back then. It's called SHQ sexual health quarters now in Perth. And, you know, doing puberty talks, I just, I just remember feeling like this is such an honor because this is the coolest, this is one of the coolest things about being a human. And this is all cool stuff, you know? And yeah, when, when people would sort of see the pictures and be like, oh, gross. (laughs) Okay. Well, you got to start there, don't you? Because that's yeah, that's where they are. But at the same time, it's like, why is that? You know, like, mm. what are all the things that happen so that 
Patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. The the best sex ed lesson I ever quote unquote taught was um, an English lesson with year eights, and I was subbing in for somebody else. And I don't even know how it started, but someone must have cottoned on that I was a PE teacher and that was it. It was just hammering nails for 45 minutes. What about this? What about this? And I just thought, gosh, why can't we just do that more often? Why can't we just have an open Q&A with someone that's like, hit me? Yeah. Nothing you can ask me will scare me. Just, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I digress. (laughs) I mean, it's everything. And I guess like for anyone who's sort of wanting to have those conversations and wanting to know what to say, I just think it's mm-hmm. always so much more important about how you feel when you're saying the thing than what you actually say because that that's what they'll remember is how it made them feel and how comfortable they were to have that conversation and all it takes is for somebody to just be normal about it and then <laughs> they can practice being normal about it and then they can be normal about it with other people and then world peace. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so while we're on that, because that's definitely a burning question we were getting from some of our listeners, okay. were um, how for our, you know, we're big fans of rites of passage here. Uh, do you have any ideas of how we can honour, you know, those very special first cycles? Yeah, I, I did a um, an event at the State Library a couple of days ago and there was a girl that came along she was 12, I said to the State Library, I said, do you think while we're doing this workshop you could um, organise some hot water bottles? And I say these things with a really straight face and I just think, why not? You know, like they might say yes. I said, I'm going to need half a dozen hot water bottles. And they were like, okay, cool. And so they had those there and um, I gave them out to all the people that were sort of day one, day two. And, yeah, this girl was 12 years old. She was on day two of her first ever period. Oh. And her mother had oh. brought her along and she bought oh. the book for me to sign and she'd written this dedication and they'd had a sip of champagne the night before. And they just, I mean, I guess there's no rules, is there? It's just about really, mm. yeah, celebrating that that moment and honouring the transition and making a space for for being okay with that unknown for a little while and just... Mm-hmm. yeah making a meal out of that and I mean people people you know do all sorts of things don't they I mean it's becoming sort of more and more common and I think it's one of those things you can't get it wrong you know like it's <laughs> it's, it's really about whatever is whatever you do in your family to celebrate you know and I, I guess too like another cool thing is to um be having some conversations in the lead up and to be saying, you know, one day this is going to happen, how would you like to celebrate it and what would you like, you know, what would you like that to look like and getting them to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, I've got two sons so I'd, I haven't had to. Same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? <laughs> oh, totally, totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but how lucky their potential future partners may be. Oh, yeah, and, and just that sort of, I mean, yeah. Then not speak too loudly because my my son's sleeping in after exams. But he told me a story mm. recently, and he said that they went to Adventure World with a couple of friends, and um, one girl got her period on the way there in the bus. Mm. And he wasn't telling me like you know I've done this noble thing and I'm such a great guy. He was just like, oh, we got off there and 
Ben and I had to just ask random strangers, you know, excuse me, have you got a tampon? And and it was just Aww. no big deal. It was like my friend's bleeding. We need to sort this out. Let's fix the problem. It was just, oh. you know, it just just wasn't wasn't a big deal. Thank you for raising good sons. <laughs> it's but you know that's the change, isn't it? It is. It's 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 just our bodies. It's just normal. It's just yeah. something boys can step in and help, and males can help and and be there and understand our cycle as well. Well, I think that's really. I feel like for me that's kind of the next frontier is having men involved in this conversation in a more critical way because, you know, we didn't get ourselves into this mess and we need help to get out of it. And Mm. to spin that and look at it from a more positive, empowering perspective, there's just so much to be gained from understanding our bodies if we have cycles and for the males in our life that don't have cycles you know for the most part I've found that they really want to understand they want to have a language they want to be able to come out of the corner and not only have the narrative about periods be tied to you know you're a bit useless when you've got your period and you're psycho and you're mm-hmm. premenstrual it's just so limiting and I think um yeah it's just really it's time to kind of just really open that up and have the ones that want to be there come in and you know someone said to me the other day she said but I feel scared to talk about this stuff with Mm. male people in my life or at work for instance um and I guess that's the other side of the coin and that's that's a really valid thing to feel because it has been weaponized against Mm. us for a really long time but I think if somebody's in your life and they care about you and they want to know the whole person that you are then it's um, it's just a no-brainer that you've got this other dimension to yourself that you can put into words and say, hey, I'm day two, I'm in the dream phase, I need this, or I'm day eight, I'm raring to go, do you need help, or I'm day 26, could you just go over there right now? <laughs> you know, like it's just having language and, and yeah, some permission to really bring that I, th- I think that's what I've got most out of the book is, is A, the positive aspects of, of every part of the cycle, and but that language as well. It's, it's so simple. Do you want to speak to us about the four phases and, and the names and, and just really briefly what, what each phase mm. might entail for people that have periods? Yeah, cool. And, you know, good point to say that it might entail because it's not a one-size-fits-all lens, you know, and obviously mm-hmm. you're the best person to understand your own body and I would preface the um, phase synopsis by just saying track your cycle (laughs) with a journal I'll be releasing a period journal soon and um, yeah three months is just if you're just sort of getting getting into this three months is a really great amount of time to just every day be asking yourself what day am I what do I need? How can I use my power today? How can I use what I have? And then reflecting on that at the end of the day because then when you come back to look at that, that's that's real data about your body mm. and your feelings and how it all kind of lines up. And then you can start to see patterns about, you know, when you might have a wobbly day or when you need more space or when you're really energetic or, 
you know, when you might feel more anxious or, and then you can scaffold and that's really yes. how you kind of, um, you know, just get the most out of where you're at. So for the four phases, you start on the day that you have your period and this is what I call the dream phase because your hormones, and when I talk about hormones, I'm talking about estrogen, progesterone and testosterone and the main kind of drivers. Your hormones, when you bleed, are at their lowest. So, you know, energetically, mind, body and soul, you're a little bit more stilled at least for a couple mm. of days. And I guess when your body is kind of in that more deeper space, you just have better access to your your, your body. Um, I'm a little bit lost for words today. I'm day 26 and I'm feeling much <laughs> myself. Me too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Me, you and the moon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're kind of just you, you're able to get in touch with your deeper self because your mind and your body have sort of slowed down and and you, you can you can access that part of yourself. So while you're there, it's really good to just use it for a little while and to, you know, reflect on the month that you just had, to think about the month that you're going to have, to yeah, to just kind of tune in and dream before you do. And mm. obviously it's a really good time to, to be doing all the self-care and self-nurturing and slowing down and saying no to the world a little bit and saying yes to yourself, (laughs) which is, you know, it's hard to do, particularly if you've been conditioned to be a bit of a people pleaser. It can just feel, you know, like it's not allowed. But this is the time when it's like you get to practice that stuff, which is pretty cool. And, And that really then sets you up. Have a good bleed. That sets you up for the rest of the month to be, yeah, pretty pretty um, on track because you've fueled yourself, you know, you've kind of used that pit stop. And so then as your estrogen begins to rise, just sort of around the time before you stop bleeding, um, you and it's not to say, you know, you need to spend all of your period just looking out the window, but just so that you're getting some time to kind of be with that part of yourself. Um and then, yeah, as your estrogen begins to rise, you're moving into that pre-ovulatory phase, which is when you're getting ready to ovulate. And um, that's, you know, that's kind of the the true hallmark of the menstrual cycle. We're always banging on about the period, but actually ovulation is the real hero mm-hmm. because without ovulation you wouldn't be making any of your own hormones. You wouldn't have the phases as such. Um, yeah, people about this point always ask about contraception um mm. and yeah essentially most hormonal contraception stops you from ovulating so it does interfere with your cycles in a pretty big way um which is obviously you know we we surely would be doing better if that was a problem that men were having you know would have maybe improved the technology over 60 years uh. I wish I had a name what I know now about yeah. like, about birth control and contraception. Yeah. It's yeah. what I know now. Yeah. I know. But obviously even knowing all of that sometimes that's the decision that is right for you Absolutely. as opposed to getting pregnant at a time mm-hmm. when you don't want that. So, you know, these are the things we always are weighing up. Um, mm. 
But yeah, so the pre-ovulatory phase, you've got rising estrogen and, you know, you sort of come out of that menstrual dream cave and you're really ready to do and just be organized and um, be pretty focused and and get things done and you can be a little bit impatient and it can feel like the world (laughs) around you is just painfully slow. Um, So it's kind of good to just stick to your guns and do what you know you need to do and not get distracted. That was probably the part of the cycle for me that took the longest to get a handle on because I found it actually a bit Mm -hmm. overwhelming. I was kind of pretty happy having my period and loved how I felt post-ovulation and liked tapping into being premenstrual. But when I was in that pre-ovulatory do phase and I felt the pressure to get things done from my own (laughs) kind of body, it was like, oh, you know, I just sort of (laughs) pat my own arm a little bit. But, um. Yeah, um, then once you get that sort of boost of testosterone, it pushes you into ovulation and sometimes people say, yeah, but what's really the difference between how you feel before ovulation and after ovulation? And Mm. you still, you know, you can have a little dip in energy just after you ovulate because your estrogen kind of drops. Some people kind of feel a little bit um, unstuck for a minute, but then it peaks peaks again, you get a second peak of estrogen and then you, you've you started making progesterone. And so progesterone is kind of like the opposite of estrogen. Estrogen makes you faster and stronger and driven and motivated and progesterone's a bit more kind of cruisy, you know, and it <laughs> helps you to sleep better and feel calmer and all of these things and it's known as nature's feel-good hormone. And so at this part of the cycle, um, I call it the give phase because you're still kind of riding high on energy and hormones and abundance, but you've got this softer edge of progesterone and, you, and you know, evolutionarily speaking, this is the time when you want to really be bonding with that person that you've potentially just created a human with and connection, collaboration, communication, you know, this is a really good time to be sort of reaching out and nurturing the friendships and relationships that, nurture you because, you know, maybe next week you don't want to be doing that so much when you're premenstrual. Um, so, yeah, I make a real effort in this time to kind of really love on my family and call mm-hmm. people and just kind of touch all of those bases that need tending. And I guess the takeaway message for the give phase is just to not give it all away because if you slide into being premenstrual on empty and you've made 97 commitments, <laughs> then you'll feel cranky, you know, because you haven't got anything left for yourself and you're already in the red and then you've got all these other things you still have to do because last week you felt like you were superhuman and you could just maintain that for the rest of your life and <laughs> now you can't even find your pants and it's just a disaster. <laughs> so... Um, (laughs) yeah and it's just one of these things it's like even though we're smart people and we know ourselves it's like cycle amnesia is really a thing Uh, it really is it's like childbirth isn't it that's right you do and you just when you after you've ovulated and you just everything's possible and you just want to say Mm -hmm. yes to things and you just think this is how can this this is just life you know this is who I am it's me it lasts forever and and it doesn't, you know, so it's, yeah, it's so great once you've kind of 
tracked for a little while and you can really know what your tells are for when you're flipping into that premenstrual phase Mm -hmm. and how you can kind of buffer yourself a little bit and um, dare I say enjoy the premenstrual phase. We were just camping this week and so camping on my take phase, which, you know, I was getting Mm. some love from my friends in a way and so that was great. But he said to me when we were setting up, are you feeling a little bit impatient? He's nine years old. I said, yes. Yes, I'm premenstrual. He went, okay. <laughs> and off he went and just did, went and did his things without having to be mm. poked and prodded and nagged. Like, mm. So much power in that communication. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it's really nice when the people that love you notice or remember or, you know, some people have partners who have their cycles on an app on their phone and know their periods better than they do I mean I've never actually had a relationship with one of these unicorn people but I think at the end of the day it's it's really up to you to be able to say this is what I need Mm. this is what I need and then the other person can do that thing or not do that thing but in you saying that thing and hearing your own self say what you need, you know, chances are most of the time you can give it to yourself. But <laughs> it's just really important to be able to, um, yeah, let people know and give them a chance to meet you, you know, because mm. no one knows. They know one can tell by looking at you, you're day 26 and, you know, mm. you're running out of the proverbial to give, you know. It's just <laughs> so, you know, what would it be like if, if we were able to just say, how are you going? Yeah, actually, I'm, yeah, I'm day here and I'm, you know, whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which is, which brings us to the final phase, dun, dun, dun. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, when we're kind of coming down that mountain and getting ready to do it all over again. And, um, yeah, I guess the, the invitation here is to kind of just surrender to that and to mm. come down the nice way instead of the hard way. And, um, <laughs> instead of being pushed off a cliff. <laughs> instead of being pushed off a cliff, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's still a, re- there's a great energy in being premenstrual that I think gets um, a bit trapped when it doesn't have somewhere good to go. Yes. And if you can figure out how to spend that, for yourself, that's fire, you know, because there's it's just there's a real great focus that you can that you can pull if you're doing something that you love, you know, yeah. and something that makes you feel like you. And so, I must confess, I haven't done this for a while, but um, using that time to write songs for me is um, mm. is really cool because it just yeah, I can kind of use that critical energy to, to really do something creative where it doesn't matter if I make a mistake, it doesn't matter if I, I can't get it wrong, I'm just getting in the sandpit and having a play with myself and, <laughs> you know, just spending time with that that thing that makes me feel like me and, I, and yeah, and just taking taking what you need for yourself so that you can do this whole thing again and I think just trusting that, it's um it's okay to not be the same every day and yes. we kind of feel like we have to put ourselves into a box because sometimes we're too much and sometimes we're not enough then 
the world misses out on the best parts of ourselves and that's the real opportunity here. Mm. And I think you just nailed it was that so often we think that when we're in our do or I give phase, you know, it's the the best version of ourselves. But I really, your book just helped me see those powers and, and there was so much, and I'm sure other people are the same, it just felt so seen. And when you said in particular in that, that final phase of using that, because for me my filter goes, I'm much less patient, yeah. I'm more um, more of a fighter for sure. <laughs> so but to channel that, like you yeah. said, and channel it somewhere good and for us it's, that's our advocacy or that mm. might be when I'm making those meetings with people I don't maybe really don't want to do but I'm I'm less less worried about it because my like I said my F's are, there's not many left mm. so. <laughs> yeah. but it just it really flipped a switch in me and already um Kerry who, who who helps us with our content she she got me onto the book and she's been really gently prodding us as a business to try and start not she never really outrightly said to map our cycles but we're going to start doing that because we're all a week apart and we're all females here in the office mm-hmm. and already like we we knew it intuitively yeah. but to see it written on a calendar we went ah oh, why have we loaded up Vicky here and Kerry here when you need a like you said a hot water bottle and one chocolate yeah yeah <laughs> it's been incredible for us in less than a month I would you know, love so. to yeah hear how that works out for you in a few months time because yeah. I, I did that when I worked at, um, in this little sexual health clinic. It was the youth arm of family planning and, you know, the the nurse, the counsellor, the manager, the, the gynaecologist, everybody there was, you know, had a cycle. And it was just great because if we had like a big mm. team planning day, we'd pick it somewhere where everyone kind of felt like they were going to be able to bring whatever they wanted to to the table. Um, or we just use it to divide up work. And I heard a guy recently, he's got this business called Bullshift and he goes into <laughs> companies and helps them communicate better. And all of the women on his team had read the book. And he <laughs> now does this thing where he has a meeting for something that's sort of quite pivotal or crucial and then he has the same meeting two weeks later because he wants to know what you think from the two poles of wherever you are. Which wow. I just thought that's fantastic. You know, that's so that's cool. Inc- that's incredible. Yeah. And it is, isn't it? And Vicky and I are both susceptible to that feeling of overwhelm, really no matter what's going on mm. in, our, um, in our take phase. And it's taken us a while to work out because Vicky's cycle is not regular and my, mine is, so we were kind of wondering what was going on there. But we never quite sync, which, oh, my God, is so perfect for business partners mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's always someone that can carry the other mm-hmm. and there's always mm-hmm. someone that can be a bit more gentle when the other can't or one that mm-hmm. can fight a bit harder if the other mm-hmm. one can't. But and that's why we need each other. You know, we, we really need community yes. around this kind of stuff and we're not meant to carry it all on our own. We're not meant to have it all internalised. Mm-hmm. We're meant to be able to share with other people and, and to, you know, use, ride each other's waves and, Yeah. yeah. And that really, I love that your language is so simple, like to just say, oh, I'm in the dream phase, you know, and it's as simple as that and it's just just descriptive enough for people to go, oh, good night, you know, pat, yeah. pat. <laughs> off you go, be off with you and see we'll see you, you in a week. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Without, and, you know, I've, I've got 
I've got no qualms with talking about bleeding and blood and, and all of that. But I think it's a beautiful softening and it humanises the, mm. the parts of the cycle where we're at rather than just being about bleeding or not bleeding. It's, well, that's the thing and that's kind of where the focus yeah. has really been on yes. the, the problem, air quotes, of menstruation and managing a period, you know, and what you use to have a discreet period, you know, the good period is the one <laughs> that no one knows Ooh. about. Um, but to, yeah, be able to just say this is how I'm feeling and have that mm. validated um, is, yeah, it's it's empowering. It's it's super empowering and I can't believe it, what am I, nearly 40, that it's taken this long for a PE teacher to feel as empowered as I do about them. I just want, you know, people before their first cycle to see like you said, the powers in each cycle and, and honour honor the cycle because, mm. like you said, we haven't. We've we've hidden the, the dirty, quote, unquote, bits away and, and not talked about the rest of it. And it's mm. such a shame. Mm. So speaking of that, how can we as parents and, and village mentors and educators have these conversations about periods with our little wildlings and, and what age do you recommend we could start from? Just birth I mean yes. I think having yes, yes. yeah this is never too early do never. you guys have that resource over there called talk soon talk often no I'll put that in our link I'm pretty sure it's a national um document and oh. um it's just a kind of rough guide of the kinds of things that kids should know from birth to 18 about all things to do with bodies and sex and things like that because a lot of people will sort of say, oh, well, you know, Sarah hasn't asked me yet so I'm just waiting and da-da-da-da and I guess, you know, there's a risk that if they haven't asked it's because they know it's something that's not really talked about mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be talking about it all the time but I I mean, I don't know, I, I just used to we watched a lot of David Attenborough videos and, was, you know, it was kind of like, oh, look, there's two flies. Oh, they're mating. Oh, what does that mean? Like, it was just, you know, it was just kind of normal. And I guess particularly for mothers to be to be kind of sharing your whole self with your children mm-hmm. so that they can see how you look after yourself, how you talk about your own body, how you're vulnerable, you know, how you ask for help, all of those things. Mm. And there's so many great lessons tucked into your cycle that can really, yeah, spark all of those great conversations. And I guess by the same token, you know, if you have a partner that understands that and supports you in that way, then kids get to grow up seeing you be supported, you know, and, and you support someone else, you know. then. And I think, you know, particularly... It's a sort of lean on the boy thing because I have boys, but a lot of people, you know, they'll come up and speak to me about something to do with period and if they see I'm with my boy, they'll say, oh, oh sorry, sorry. And he's like, oh, no. I, I don't care. Do you know, and because he yeah. doesn't, it's just it's just normal. It's like, mm. and I think, yeah, there is that sort of narrative that we that we will need to protect boys from that stuff and it's yeah. we need to protect girls from boys knowing um, and I think there's, you know, there's definitely a place to have conversations with just girls and just boys and depending on the group and things like that. But 
ultimately, I think if you if you have a group of young people and and they have a, they have questions and you answer them honestly and you tell them where they can get more information, then that's just so comforting for them, you know. Because yeah, we live in a time when there's information everywhere, and yeah. you know we're kind of yeah, it's like you've got more access to information that's maybe not great and you know porn I don't know all of these things that kind of can undermine um feeling good about your body and understanding Mm. your own body and I don't think there's anything that especially young children need to be you know don't need to hide from them my my boys have seen me take 10 like we have one bathroom in the toilets and full view of the shower so yes yeah, you know you know what it's like as a parent yeah <laughs> oh you're having a luxurious shower let me come take a poo or yeah you know, oh I'm changing my tampon I suddenly need a snack it's, you know. yeah. <laughs> so they've seen it all they've seen me washing out period undies and there's no cringe factor and I just that's if I can ask for anything from them I just hope that if they have female partners in the future, that there is no cringe factor around it, that it's, like you said, like it's that honouring of all aspects of the cycle and then that blood is normal and then it's healthy. It's, it's a sign of, of health. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's it really, I guess that's, we don't know what that's like because, I mean, we didn't grow up with men and boys <laughs> being part of that conversation, so we're really making it up as Heck we come no. along. <laughs> And, you know, who knows in 5, 10, 15 years' time what the conversation we'll be having will be like. And that's what really excites me. That's what really kind of motivates me is to just think, Jesus. And, you know, when you kind of peel back the layers of what you thought was normal and what was okay, you start to realise that, oh, oh, we don't have to have that and we don't have to have that and we can come out of the corner on that. You just think, well, what, what else is there, you know, like? How can we keep keep pushing this? And obviously, you know, I'm I'm saying that from someone who's in a pretty pri- privileged position, and yeah, you know, for a lot of same. people, having a conversation around the power of their period is is um it's maybe not high on the on the list of needs, you know. And we've still in Australia even got people who don't have what they need, and you know, I mean, it was yeah. only two years ago that we reduced the freaking Tax oh, GST, on, you know, yeah. as a luxury item, you know, which is just wild. I um, can't believe it's they're not free in all schools still. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the Greens just um, brought out a, a policy to to do that, and they're kind of Ooh. that was on Menstrual Hygiene Day, May twenty eighth. So that's pretty fresh, and hopefully, mm. Morrison will um, take heed of that Thanks. because, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'll keep my comments <laughs> yeah. to myself there. I'm not hopeful from him, hopeful from the Greens. Mm. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a human right. And like you said, there's so much period poverty still even in Australia that the least we can do, if we can feed our children breakfast, then we need to be able to give children period products as well, yeah. hygiene products. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's been the best or most fascinating thing you've learned about periods on this journey? One of the quotes that really has informed a lot of what I do is a First Nations American proverb, I suppose, and it says that at her first bleeding a woman meets her power. In her bleeding years she practices her power and at menopause she becomes it. And, yeah, I love that so much and I just think, 
yeah, I'm practicing right now and I'm mm. heading towards becoming my power and what do I need to do to get from here to there and how do I want to, yeah, treat all of the rest of the cycles that I have to land me in a good spot to become my mm. power and and how can, yeah, I help other people along on that journey and it just really kind of it's just such a perfect little nutshell of, of what it means to be at any point in the cycle of having a cycle. Yeah, because it's, it, I mean, it goes beyond periods, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't. doesn't I was end just going to say, I don't think we ever really hear menopause framed that way either. How no, beautiful. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Is that going to be your next stage when we, when you reach it? Who knows? Menopause book. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, maybe. I mean, Can't there's wait. so That'd many. Be a great stage show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perimenopause. <laughs> oh, my poor mother. I hope I haven't got that gene. She had it for ten years. The poor thing. So. Wow. But again, you know, I hope we've we've got more knowledge from then too. I'd like yeah. to think that hopefully I have more people to tap into and more resources from when she went through it herself. So, yeah. All right. Are you ready for some rapid-fire questions to finish up? Sure. What's your favourite book of all time and why, or what are you currently reading? Oh, I'm currently reading People of the Book by Geraldine Brooks, and it's about a, a book restorer. People of the Book. Oh, can you show me the cover? I think I might have read that. I don't know. Oh, Oh, maybe I have. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, it's set in Sarajevo and, yeah, I guess in this time of COVID when you can't go anywhere, it's oh. it's um, it's just, yeah, it's just great to remember that you're just in one part of the world and there's all of these things you can learn and discover and things, you, you know, I just didn't know about um, the history of how, how countries became to be and things like that. So, mm. yeah. I love She's books so that clever. have, yeah, have a story but have some history woven in. Yeah, me too. I, I swear I've learnt more history from historical fiction yeah. than I ever learnt at school. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, Barbara Kingsolver. I think my favourite mm-hmm. book of all time is probably um, The Poisonwood Bible, yeah. But all of her books are great. Amazing. All right. Next question. Where do you go or what do you do to reset after a rough day? Mm, the bath. I thought you were about to say the bar. <laughs> I might take a drink to the bath, but it's definitely the bath. Yeah. Mm. It's yep. my is, happy place. So good. We've got this is the second house in a row that we haven't had a bath, and I've just pushed the hubby over to be like, right, that's the next thing we're doing to this house. Mm. Um, I can't wait. I'm so mm. excited. That is exciting. <sighs> All right, this question's a little bit loaded, but this is our advocacy work, is if you had to choose just one thing to change about the education system, what would it be? I mean, if everyone got to go to school in a way like you support education, I think that's that's probably a very big fantastical thing to change. But being outside, being connected to nature and being around teachers who can sort of follow their intuition a bit more and not have to be so bound up in paperwork and, you know, really enable kids to have experiences that they can sort of find their own way and learn 
learn for themselves is, I guess, something that doesn't always happen in mainstream education. Because really, you're learning how to learn, aren't you? You're kind of you're learning how to learn for yourself. So, I wish teachers didn't have to do as much paperwork. I'm I'm just thinking for the from the teacher's perspective. I'd probably still be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. one of the reasons, but yeah, <laughs> it does. It takes so much time away from building those relationships with the kids, which is you know that's the only thing that works really. That's right, and it. You know, there's so many restrictions around what you can say and how you can say it, particularly when it comes to sex and sexual health, that really set up all of these kind of negative narratives that just take so long to undo, you know, and it would be great if we could just be more open and honest about things to do with sex and sexual health. A lot of, you know, people are worried that if you be open with young people that, it will encourage them to go out and be more exploratory or have sexual experiences earlier. But all the research suggests that the more information that they have, the better decisions that they make and the better the health outcomes are. And, yeah, so it's kind of a no-brainer, but we're still very kind of bound up in, I don't know, some sort of religious stuff, you know, that we can't quite move on from yet. So. Mm, um, I don't know if it's my bubble, but I, I feel like it's swinging, and I, I hope that it's swinging. But it is, it, it, and it's it, again. It comes back to that, isn't it? Knowledge is power. If mm. if you know that, and you know that speaking to your kids from birth all the way through and normalising it will actually, like the outcomes are better or healthier, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. maybe that's what will tip it. But mm. you know that that information, it's, I you don't see it out there. You don't hear people speaking about it. So mm. yeah. Thanks for spreading the the other good word. Mm, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. And where can we find out more about your work and have you got anything coming up that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah. So if you go to my website, it's lucypeach.com and what I'm focusing on now is uh, an online course for Year 7, 8, 9 students. So it's for young people who are really entering that whole world and wanting a sort of supported passage into that path. And um, so, yeah, there's like little videos and some audio and my partner's animated the whole thing um, to the nth degree. And, yeah, so we're trialling that with a school next term and I'm wanting to sort of do a little bit of research into the impact on wellbeing. And, um, yeah, we'll be opening that up to the public soon. And um, I think it will be, yeah, just a really nice thing to give to your young person or even to do it with them and to kind of just, yeah, be be a part of that process. So that's, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I was really resistant to doing online courses for a long time. I just sort of thought, oh, no, I don't want to. <laughs> be in that space and I don't want to be a screen but at the same time you just can't be everywhere and do everything and um and I guess you know I really just want to that's why it was so great to write a book because then you kind of you have it there you can it's just there it's just it's just done and Mm. you don't have to keep talking quite so much (laughs) yeah sorry about that but thank you (laughs) no no it's good it's it's all good and yeah my book only it came out a year ago two days ago so it's just really nice that 
the conversation is still going and it's kind of still, mm. um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty great to be still working in that area and, and seeing it unfold and seeing other people kind of take it and run with it and use it in their own way. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll keep working on the courses and, um, yeah, it's just let's see how that goes. Amazing. I can't wait. That's super exciting as a high school PE teacher that there's going to be these additional resources that feel more fun and more approachable and less stodgy. <laughs> frankly yeah no they're lots of fun it's yeah it's good it's kind of a a distillation of the of the theater show and yeah just kind of into these little bite-sized pieces so perfect oh that'll be so good thank you so much for letting us hijack you via instagram and coming on in the middle of your take phase and all right i was a i was a willing participant And for just being a lighthouse, not just for, for kids and teens, but for old old adults like myself, old adults like myself that have just, you know, given our cycles a new light and and shown us our powers. We were always there but didn't have a name. So I really, really would like to thank you for that. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure and I wish you all the best for your impending bleed slash dream phase. Can't wait, and, um, actually. Yeah, enjoy. Thanks, Lucy. I hope you enjoyed our episode with Lucy today as much as I have. It gives me so much hope that people and resources like Lucy's are becoming so readily available for the next generation. Our hope is that all of our bodily functions are celebrated and not cringed at any longer and that our grandkids will be so empowered about puberty that it won't even be an awkward phase anymore. Girls got a dream, right? As you sign off today, we'd appreciate it so much if you subscribe to the podcast. It really does help get our podcast into more parents' and educators' ears, which in turn helps more children feel more seen, heard and respected. Or feel free to share this episode with a friend or share a favourite quote on your socials. If you've got a teenage daughter or person that periods in your life, then please feel free to share this episode with them. Uh, I would strongly suggest purchasing Lucy's book, Period Queen. Uh, You can find the link to purchase that in the show notes. Until then, I hope you do get to period like a queen or support someone to period like a queen this month. And until then, stay wild. Thank you.